2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, and this is rare for me, um, but we're just going to stay in this one passage tonight. There's some things I want to pull out of here, and um, I believe God's got some things that he wants to say, and um, they are right here in this passage. This is an exciting passage to me uh, because I, I believe that it hits home for everybody, uh, whether you're there now or have been there at one point um, or at some point in our lives, we may end up in this situation. Every now and then, we get in, a, in a, a point in our life where we know that God wants something from us, but we don't feel like we have anything to give. <laughs> God, you want me to praise you. God, you want me to keep giving financially. God, you want me to keep import, you know, uh, making influence and pouring into people's lives, but I'm drained. I don't have anything to give out. I I have given everything that I have. Things have been taken away from me. What about me? We always have that opportunity uh, in life to say, what about me? But the thing that I have found in the kingdom of God is that uh, the more and more that I learn about his kingdom and learn more and more about my place in the kingdom of God, I find out that it's less and less about me and it's more and more about the people I come into contact on a daily basis with. And um, even though I can have the opportunity to walk out the door and say, I need this and I need that and uh, I don't have this and I want that and I don't feel like I have anything to give, God has still got something inside of me to give away. And one of the greatest principles that I love to study and love to talk about, and you all have heard me talk about it before, is stewardship. Stewardship. And Bottom line, the way it works in the kingdom is not the way it works in the world. In the world, if you want to get, you keep. But in the kingdom, if you want to get, you give. It's backwards. If you want to get something, then you give of yourself to get it in return. That's how God's kingdom works. It's not by worldly standards. It's not by a worldly principle. But we are just in the world and not of it. Amen. And that's what Jesus meant is you might be living down there uh, by you know, in the world, but you're not governed by their system and how you have to do things. And so to people on the outside, it may look stupid and it may not look like it makes any sense, but you know, I'm living according to a kingdom principle. I am of a different country, a different nation, a, a, a different realm, the spiritual realm, and God operates differently. And so stewardship works this way. Uh, in fact, I had to write it down because I didn't want to forget it. This is what stewardship is. Stewardship is what you do with what you have determines what you will get. And I'll say that again. What you do with what you have determines what you will get. What you do with what you have determines what you will get. And ultimately what Jesus is looking for, what God is looking for, what the king and the master is looking for, is faithfulness. When you, bought, when, you, when, you, when you wipe everything away and you bring it down to the bottom line, he's looking for faithfulness. Will you be faithful with what I've given you? And in Matthew chapter 25, I believe it is, Jesus tells a parable of a ruler, a master, that gave three of his servants talents, each according to the measure that they could handle. According to the measure they can handle. So the first question about my life to God is, is, Lord, what can I handle? And if I can't handle what I think I need to handle, 
help me handle it. Help me get to the point where I can handle more. But I want to be faithful with what I've been given. If I've been given one, I want to be faithful with the one. If I've been given 10, I want to be faithful with 10. If I've been given 100, I want to be faithful with the 100. It's according to the measure that you've proven you could handle before. So bottom line, the master is looking for faithfulness. Because when it comes down to it, I own nothing. And I have to remind myself that every day because, you know, every other Friday when the paycheck comes in, you're thinking, I worked hard for this money. I put in the hours. I have spent the time there. I've done exactly what they told me to do. I came in when they told me to be there. I took the right amount of lunch breaks for the right amount of time, and I left. Uh, You know, sometimes I stayed even longer. You're thinking, this is my money. But we are always having to remind ourselves, I own nothing. And the second you think you own something, you lose everything. (laughs) Period. The second you think you own something, you lose everything. Maybe not naturally, but in the kingdom, you lose everything. Where it really matters, you lose everything. And so I constantly have to remind myself of this stewardship principle because why? God is placing a demand on my life for me to give of myself. And there's times where I don't think I have anything to give. And so we have this passage here in 2 Kings chapter 4. And here's what I want to do. I want to read through it. It's seven verses. I want to read it. And then we'll backtrack it. And we're just going to take it piece by piece and identify what God has already shown me. And there will probably be more. That usually is what happens. I get a few notes and then he starts giving me all kinds of crazy stuff up here. And I'm like, that would have been nice to know about an hour ago. But thank you. (laughs) Then I have to go back and listen to my own messages to get my own notes because this doesn't cut it anymore so let's just read it verse one a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to elisha saying your servant my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the lord and the creditor is coming and take my two sons to be his slaves so elisha said to her what shall i do for you tell me what do you have in the house and she said your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, Then she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. So here we have a woman who her husband has passed away, and her husband was a servant of God. Wasn't just anybody. This was a this was a son of the prophet. In fact, uh, history records that this woman was the the husband of the prophet Obadiah, who we actually have a book about later in the Old Testament. And so she's approaching uh, approaching another prophet, Elisha, and saying, "Look, here's here's what's taking place. Because my husband has died, and we had some debt, the creditors have come." And they have come to take, since we can't pay the debt, they've actually come to take my two sons. 
help me. What can I do? What am I supposed to do in this situation? So we see someone who has gotten themselves uh, in a position, not even gotten themselves, uh, where uh, it wasn't even their fault necessarily. Anyone been there? Things are falling apart, and it's not even my fault. I didn't, I fear the Lord, she says. This is your servant, and your servant feared the Lord. She's reminding Elisha, remember, this was a God-fearing man. My husband served your God. So she's immediately placing a demand on God to show up. She's immediately placing a demand on you've got to come through. So look at Elisha's response in verse two. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? <laughs> well, you're not listening. I got nothing. In fact, that's the title of my message tonight. I got nothing. I got nothing to give. But this is the funny part about God. When you think you're down to nothing, he will still ask for something. <laughs> when you're down to the bottom and I've got nothing else to offer, God comes in and says, give me what you got. God loves to say, give me what you got. Now I want to tell you something about God that Again, we said that the master's looking for faithfulness. God is always looking for obedience. He will always put you in a position where you have to obey him over another source. He will always put you. You don't have true trust in God if there's still enough money in the bank account. You don't have true trust in God if you still have a little bit more that you can borrow or you can lend from. God loves to put us in situations where obedience has to be in him, in his word. And so she's telling Elisha, this is the situation. It has gotten so bad. She, I mean, think, if I had something in the house, I would have given it to him. We're at the point they're taking my two sons now. What do you think I have? But Elisha says, give me what you got. God loves to ask for something even when we are down to nothing, okay? So let's keep going. And she said, look at her response. Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Your maidservant has what? Nothing in the house but a jar of oil. What we view as nothing, God views as something. So there's the turnaround. I, I don't got anything. But this, but this menial thing, I don't have anything except for, you know, a little bit of time on Tuesday nights. I, I don't have anything except for this $10 that I had left over from lunch today. I don't have anything, but, and God's saying, that's all I need. That's all I need. So really, the question is, is do we value what we have the way God value, values what we have? Look, I'm running ragged. I'm so busy. I, 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 I'm barely making it home from work on time. I got so many crazy things going on. My, my, my hair is split in two ways. And Wednesday night, that's the one night that I have, uh, you know, to go home and relax. He's saying, that's all I want. I want Wednesday night. 
I want to see you in my house on Wednesday night. Man, I mean, even on Saturdays, I'm burning the, the candle from both ends. Sunday's the one day I get to sleep in. He's saying, that's all I'm asking for. <laughs> Sunday morning. God, I, I mean, I, 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 the finances are just crazy. I mean, all I have left over is 10%. Oh, yeah, that's, that's all I'm asking for. You get the other 90. You get the other seven days a week. You get the other 24 hours in the day. This is all that I'm asking for. But the problem is, is we don't value it the way God values it. We don't see it because we see it as nothing. And he says, that's all I need. We see it as this is not enough. And he's saying, that's all I'm asking for. Just give me something to work with. What are some other examples? Well, Jesus was out on the side of a mountain preaching for several days. And finally, he decides to turn to his disciples because thousands of people had followed him out here just to listen to him talking. Turns to his disciples and says, hey, you know what? I think they're getting pretty hungry. So why don't you run in town, you know, run by Taco Bell, go through the drive-thru real quick, pick up some burritos and, you know, a couple, uh, you know, large sodas, and let's get them fed so we can keep on doing this thing. Because Jesus had money. Now listen to those people that say Jesus was poor and destitute and we're supposed to be. No, he had money. He said, he said go buy on food. We got the cash. Let's go do it. 5,000 people, not including women and children. That's just men. So 5,000 families. And uh, they say, man, that's too long of a walk in town. All right, well, what do you got? I mean, some kid brought his snack lunch, just five loaves and two fish. I mean, he's covered. What about the rest of us? Jesus says, that's all I need. God, God is awesome with our nothing. God does a phenomenal job with our little bit. God will do something great with, when you are scraping the bottom of the barrel. Watch what God will do with that. Second example. We just talked about the parable of the talents. The first guy was given five. Next guy was given two. The last guy was given one. Guy with five had no problem. Go out, doubled it, got ten. Guy with two, no problem. Go out, doubled it, came back with four. And the master shows up to the guy with one. Oh, I mean, I knew that you were a, a, a hard man, and, you know, you, you, you reap where you haven't reaped, and you sow where you haven't sown, and, and, and so I knew you were going to come back, and, and so I dug a hole in the ground, and I put it in there. And he got a swift judgment. Master called him lazy, slothful, wicked, and rebellious because he viewed his one as nothing when the master viewed the one as everything. The master said, that's all that I gave you, and that's all that I required of you. You should have at least put it in the bank and gained interest off of it. The master, when he comes back, isn't looking for what he gave us. He's looking for what we gave us, and what did we do with what? Were we faithful and obedient? That's what the master's looking for. And so the second thing we see here is that what we view as nothing, what we view as not enough, what we view as, as it doesn't matter, it doesn't make a difference, God says, that's all that I need. Be faithful with that. 
Because the master told that last servant who was given the one, he said, even what you have will be given. Well, I didn't think I had anything. Yeah, you did. And now that will be taken away from you. The master told him, even what you have will be taken away. If you don't use what you have, even if you think you don't have anything, then the thing that you don't think you have, I will take that. And then you'll realize, oh, if you're not faithful with those few extra hours to spend God, spend time with God and pray, you won't even have those extra hours. You'll find yourself having to get up earlier for work. And you'll find yourselves having to stay later at work. And you'll find yourselves having to uh, uh, put more money somewhere else instead of giving the little bit that you had left over and let God do something with it. So the first thing we saw is when we're down to nothing, God will still ask for something. The next thing is we have to view our nothing the way he does. And when we see nothing, God sees something. So let's keep going in the story. Verse 3, then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. This is the exciting part because many times we miss the blessing of God for for what's right in front of us. God sent this woman... Not to a bank where she could get the credit, the, the debt paid off. God didn't show up with just great financial favor. God didn't, you know, move upon the creditors and say, hey, uh, you know what, we're not even going to count it against you. Now, God will move in different ways. But sometimes we miss God's miracles when they're right in front of us. He sent her next door to the neighbor. That's been right there the whole time. God loves to use even the smallest things in our life to be an avenue of blessing. But sometimes we're looking for the blessing so much that we don't realize that what is right in front of us is the avenue. And notice how God wanted to use people that were already in her life. God didn't need to bring a new person in. God didn't need to introduce someone else to the story. It was, this is somebody you already know. This is somebody you already have contact with. And God loves to use people, by the way. I did a a series on honor one time, and I said, if you don't honor people, you miss the gift. See, everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got a gift inside of them. But if you dishonor the person, you miss the gift. If you dishonor because of an outside show, then you miss what's really on the inside, which is the true treasure that everybody has to give away. Everybody's got a treasure. Remember, Jesus talked about there was a man that found a treasure buried in a field. And what did he do? He sold everything he had to buy the field, the dirt, the grass, the weeds, all the mess that comes with the field. Why? Because he knew there was a treasure inside of it. If someone doesn't want your field, they don't need access to your treasure. 
if they're going to disregard and dishonor the field on the outside, then, then don't, do not give them access to the treasure on the inside. And something that we have a problem with in, the, in our society today is we give too much away too quickly. And people haven't proven that they can honor the field and take care of the field, and we're already giving them the gold and the silver and the, the bronze and the jewels and the cash. We're turning over the worth stuff, the stuff that's worthy of something, and they haven't even proven to take care of the stuff on the outside. And so we have to be people that don't miss out on God's blessings because we have our own agenda of how the blessing will come. God has many different avenues to bless you and get it to you. And it may be that person at work that you don't like very much. And it may be your own spouse that you didn't think could really help you and you're really trying to help them. It may be your kids. It may be an employer or an employee. God, God can help you so many different ways. We can't limit God. We can't put God in a box. He sent this woman next door to someone she already knew. And here's the exciting thing. Because God doesn't just want to get it to you. He wants to get it through you. Let's flip the page. Could you be the avenue that God wants to bless somebody else? See, that's a different mentality now. That's a different mentality. It's not about what can God get to me. It's about what can God get through me. I want to be a conduit for the blessings of God. I don't want to be a reservoir. I don't want to be a tank that's just holding all this stuff in. I want this stuff to flow through me. You can be a well or you can be a water hose. The well keeps it to itself, but that water hose, is, it's just coming through me to get to you. And that's what God's looking for. So let's keep going. Verse 4, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your son. Sometimes it's good to shut the door. Sometimes it's good when you're waiting on the blessings of God, you got to shut out things that are contrary to that. You got to get alone and you got to be in a position where you can obey God uh, uh, without any distraction, undisturbed. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. And the oil ceased. There's not another vessel. We know that God is limitless. We know that God has no end. We know that God is abundant and God has a great supply. The only limitations that God has are the ones that we place on him. The only limitations. That oil ran until she ran out of something. The only limitations God has are the ones that we place on him. The only limitations that God has are the ones where 
we don't have enough. Remember that? Remember the man we talked about it in the, in the big faith series, the, the father with the son, the demon-possessed son. And he had brought his son to Jesus' disciples, and they couldn't do the miracle. When he took care of that later, he says, you're a faithless generation. Uh, this only comes about by prayer and fasting. But to the man who now was moved to doubt, he told him, remember the, the father told Jesus, he said, if you can heal my son, if you can save him. Remember Jesus' response? You can just see the smirk on his face. If, if you can believe, your son will be saved. And the father said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. The answer was, only believe. Only believe. The limitation to what God can do in your life is your faith. That's why we have such a great responsibility to continually grow our faith. Because our faith is what moves God. Our faith is what God is connected to. And if we're not seeing some things happen, if we're not seeing the blessings show up, if we still are looking at our nothing and he's asking for it because he says that's something, then we need to give it to him in faith, knowing that when I give this up, it's going to prove obedience and faithfulness to my king. And now he can show up in my life. But the king is looking for faith. Jesus, multiple times when he was going about the towns and the villages healing. He didn't tie it or associate the miracle to his power or I'm the son of God. Look at how awesome I am. I healed you. I saved you. No, he said, your faith has made you whole. What did he tell the woman with the issue of blood? Your faith has made you whole. What did he tell uh, the, the lame man that came down through the roof? Your faith has made you whole. He said, when he saw their faith, God's looking for faith. And our faith is what allows or disallows God to move in our life. The only limitations that God has are the ones that we place on him. So we have to grow our faith. We have to develop our faith. That oil will run. The blessings will show up as long as you have faith connected to the system. That's the only way. What do we say faith does? Faith doesn't create things. It moves things from one area to another. So the amount of faith that you have determines how much stuff gets moved from the spirit realm to the natural. How much healing is going to show up? How, many, how much prosperity is going to show up? How much peace is going to show up? How much love is going to show up? That is determined by your faith. So we need to be like the father of that Demon-possessed son, I do believe. Help my unbelief. The areas that I don't quite see it, help me because I want to get my faith there so I can see you move in my life. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. I love that our God is an exceeding God. I love that our God loves to go over the top. He loves to show up and show out. He doesn't want to just do a little bit here and a little bit there. He wants to, hey, 
Go ahead and take care of what you need to take care of. And here's the extra for you to, to take care of yourself. Here's the extra for you to live on because he's a God of life and life more abundantly. He said, if you can think it or imagine it, I will do exceedingly abundantly above that. If you can ask it. I mean, again, I'm, I'm only looking at myself. Have I been asking and what have I been asking for? Have I been thinking and what am I thinking for? Have I been imagining and what have I been imagining? Because that is what God moves off of. I've got to ask before he goes above and beyond that. I've got to think and I've got to imagine. See, some of us don't think or imagine anything outside of where we're at today. And God says, I need people with vision. I need people with a big picture. I need people that will see beyond where you're at today. Because I got more people for you to touch. I got more people for you to take care of. I got more people for you to help. I can't have you going through life thinking about what about me and I can't take care of this and I need this. He's saying, just give me the nothing that you have. That'll be something to me. And then I will explode that when you, when you ignite it with your power. And now we're able to influence the world for the kingdom of God. God wants to go over the top. God wants to show out because it's not about us. And God loves to put it in a position where he gets the glory. It's all about God. He gets the credit. He gets the glory. He gets the honor. There's no way, there's no way she could have gone out of that door with jars full of oil ready to sell and make the money and say, look what I did. There's no way. God wants us in a position of there's no way. There's no way I could do it. There was no way out. I was on the bottom. I had nothing. I told that prophet I had nothing. I got nothing. But God turned it into something. God turned it into something that not only changed my life, he didn't only get it to me, but he was able to get it through me. See, when you live life with the purpose of it's not about me, it's about my influence on others, God will find a way to get it to you. It's the ones that are living for themselves. It's the ones that are trying to get it all for themselves and make a name for themselves and, 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 and get the glory that he can't show up for. Because you don't have his interest. You don't have his heart. But when you take on his heart of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Well, if God so loved the world, then I so loved the world. If God cared for them, then I care for them. And I want to do whatever I can. I want to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things that everybody else is searching for, everybody else is living for. They're going to come run me down. They'll be added. I love that word added because that word added means not worked for. See, your paycheck's not added. Your paycheck's not added. It's added when it was given to you and you did nothing to receive it. 
That's how God wants to operate. That's how his kingdom is designed. And that's why he placed us here. Not for ourselves, not to think just trying to make it by and by, just trying to get through this life so I can one day go and be with him. But no, I'm here in this realm, in this planet, to bring heaven to earth because there are plenty of people on this realm and in this earth living like hell and they need heaven. And I've got it. So I'm not going to look at my nothing and say, God, I don't have anything. I'm going to say, this is all I've got and I give it to you. Father, we thank you tonight that even when we look upon ourselves and we say, I got nothing. I got nothing, God. I'm dry. I'm empty. In fact, what I do have, people are already on their way to come take it away from me. You still see something. You still see something. You're a faithful God. You're a perfect God. You said you're no respecter of persons. If you would do it for this woman, thousands and thousands of years ago, you are still doing it today. You are still in the business of taking nothing and turning it into something. So, Father, tonight we offer up the nothing that we have. We offer up those things that we didn't think were worth anything. We, we take those things that we had kind of put on the shelf and didn't really care about and didn't really give a lot of attention to, and we pick it back up and say, to me, it's nothing, but to you, God, it, you can make it something. And we give it to you. We give it to you wholeheartedly. We give it to you out of obedience, and we are now going to be faithful with that very thing you've placed in our possession. Father, our heart is to influence this world. Our heart is to serve you. Our heart is to do whatever you have called us to do. We thank you, Father, for your word tonight. We thank you as we meditate on this, as we study this, as we read over it and continue to chew on it. Father, I thank you that it will continue to open up to us even more and more. A God that's loving, a God that's caring, a God that has given us a hope and a future, and a God that turns our nothing into something. We thank you for this word tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.